Happy New Year and welcome to Ministries the Podcast, where I talk to successful ministry leaders about how they're using podcasting to amplify their mission and grow their ministry. I'm Tim Hall, your host and owner of Sonomorphic, a podcast production company that specializes in podcasting for ministries. My guest today is Todd Nettleton. He's the Chief of Media Relations and Message Integration for The Voice of the Martyrs, as well as the host of The Voice of the Martyrs Radio and the VOM Radio Podcast. During his more than 25 years serving at The Voice of the Martyrs, Todd has traveled the world and conducted face-to-face interviews with hundreds of Christians who've endured persecution. Todd is also the author of When Faith is Forbidden. In today's episode, Todd and I are going to talk about the idea and vision that became the radio show and podcast, how the time constraint of radio plays into his interviewing technique, and the value of having a podcast in addition to the radio program. So let's get right to it. Here's my conversation with Todd Nettleton. Todd, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I have known about Voice of the Martyrs for a while. I think I probably heard about it at some point as a kid, maybe saw the magazine or something. But I didn't know a whole lot about the work that you guys do and when the radio program got started, how the podcast was part of that. So I dug in, did some research, and found out that the Voice of the Martyrs has been around since 1967, and the podcast and the radio show didn't come out until 2014. And that's a program that you host and produce, but you've actually been at Voice of the Martyrs or VOM as it's frequently talked about since 98. You've been there for over 25 years, which is impressive, first of all. And that also means that you've been around since the beginning of this show. So I'd love to hear the story of starting the Voice of the Martyrs radio and how you became the host of the show. Well, one of the really distinctives of Voice of the Martyrs is the fact that our founders were persecuted Christians. So Pastor Richard Wormbrand, his wife Sabina, they're the founders of Voice of the Martyrs. Richard spent 14 years in prison. Sabina herself spent three years in prison. And so having persecuted Christians tell their story is really how the ministry started. It's how we got off the ground back in 1967. And so When I came to work at VOM in 1998, we had the Voice of the Martyrs magazine, which goes out. It's free. People get it all over the country. We did some video, kind of one-off video productions. We did some radio advertising. And I did a ton of interviews and talking, you know, being a guest like this on other people's radio shows, telling the stories of persecuted Christians. But we didn't have a way for persecuted Christians directly to tell their stories. And so that was something, you know, over the years, we kind of kicked around ideas and could we do this? Could we do it consistently? And the real genesis of the radio program is actually an advertising campaign that we ran with one of our advertising partners and written into that contract were some guarantees. You are going to get this much response. And if you don't, we'll make it right. And what the contract said was, we'll give you some of the money back. Well, the targets weren't reached, and rather than giving us our money back, they said, well, what about if we gave you some radio time? Oh, okay, well, that's a good idea. We'd like that. And so that really is how the radio program got started. My boss came into my office and said, hey, we want to start a radio program. We want you to host it. And the funny part of that story is we actually spent almost a year really figuring out what we wanted it to be. (laughs) Okay. And doing, we did some pilot episodes, some kind of test episodes, some test interviews. Okay, does this work? Does this work? 
by the time we actually kind of figured it out and got up and running on a weekly basis, we had worked out a different arrangement with that particular broadcaster. And so that radio time, that that didn't happen the way it was originally going to. But by then we were up and running. And so we kept going. Nice. We launched as a weekly program, a weekly half hour in the fall of 2014. So we'll be 10 years next September. And we picked up our first radio stations in January of the following year, 2015. And so since then, we have grown now to 1,100 plus radio stations and podcast listeners literally all over the world, uh, including the part that thrills me, including hostile and restricted nations. So we have hmm. Christians in China who are listening to the stories of Christians from Eritrea or from Iran. We have Christians in Iran who are listening to the stories of Christians from China. And so I really believe it's something that the Lord is using even to encourage persecuted Christians today with the stories of some of their fellow believers from hostile and restricted nations. Yeah. So at that point, had you ever hosted a radio show before, or was it kind of like, hey, Todd, I I think you'd be good for this? (laughs) I had never hosted a radio show. I had done, at that point, probably 2,000 plus radio interviews. Okay, sure. And so I had been on a lot of radio shows, but I had never hosted a radio show. And honestly, it's one of the things that quickly became apparent to me is how good some radio hosts are at their job. I think particularly of Janet Parshall, mm. who just makes everything flow so easily and it's it seems effortless. When I started hosting and I'm like, oh, wait, you got to hit the time? Oh, oh wait, I got to wrap this up? I, I was like, I didn't realize how good she was, how good some of mm. my radio friends are at their jobs until I had to do it myself. And then I was like, wow, <laughs> there's a lot to think about. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot... This is a lot more complicated than just, hey, turn on the microphone and have a conversation. For sure. And I'd love to talk about that a little bit later in the episode of how the timing works and whatnot. But I'd love to hear some more about the early beginnings and what were the goals? How did you measure success to determine, hey, we've put this time and effort into doing this to make sure that it's worthwhile and continue doing it? And I mean, you've been doing it for almost a decade now, so I'm sure it's paying off, but uh, I'd love to hear that. One of the great blessings that I had in starting VOM Radio and and really was, I would say, even the unquestioned support of VOM's leadership. The president at that time was a man named Jim Dow, gave me incredible support. The current president, Cole Richards, has been incredibly supportive of VOM Radio. And we never measured it as a fundraising vehicle, we never measured it as a, well, if we get to this, then it'll be successful. Mm. So I had the freedom to kind of watch it grow and to try different things without having to measure, oh, wait, you know, we got less donations this week than last week, so you must have done something wrong. Oh, we got more. That must have been a really successful. It kind of was allowed to grow organically. Mm. And that only works, obviously, because there's a ministry behind it that right. was willing to be supportive and willing to say, okay, we're going to do this. And a key part of Voice of the Martyrs ministry is telling the stories of persecuted Christians. And so from early on, our focus was how do we be effective at telling the stories of persecuted Christians? And if we do that, we're being faithful to the ministry of EOM. We're being faithful to what God has called us to do. And so we're going to do the best job we can at that. And then if we get a million subscribers or we get a thousand subscribers, if we're doing a great job of telling the stories of persecuted Christians, we're doing what we're supposed to do. And so having that freedom early on to 
not have to sort of measure and count every week and try to feel like, oh, wait, that didn't work. That doesn't work. Oh, that is just such a blessing. And and I know from others in radio ministry that not everyone has that privilege, not everyone has that blessing. And so I'm I'm very thankful for that. Very thankful to Jim and Cole for their support over the years. And like I say, we just set out to do the best job we could of telling the stories of persecuted Christians and helping our listeners to pray for persecuted Christians, for what's happening in hostile and restricted nations. And that really has been our focus from day one is let's do the best job we can of telling these stories. Yeah. So um, we mentioned, you know, the, the timing that you have to hit as well as it's a tricky part when you get into radio and, you know, podcasting, I can talk with you for however long the conversation goes <laughs> and then it's done and we edit it and it's great. Yep. But for radio, it's not the case. You have to hit certain times. So how has that time constraint been a hindrance as well as maybe a help to the storytelling process? I think in many ways it's a help because it it says we have to focus in on the main thing. Mm. <laughs> we have to really get to the heart of the story quickly. When we started out, we started out at 28 and a half minutes, about a year and a half in, kind of got some good advice from the radio business that no, it's a lot more common to have 25 than 28 and a half. And so we mm. switched, which at the time I was like, how are we going to manage without those three and a half minutes? What's, you know, what's going to happen? It works. And so I'm thankful the first year and a half of the show, I did the audio editing myself and I'm not an audio editor and I didn't have training in that. I went on YouTube and watched a lot of videos about Adobe Audition and how to use it and how to yeah. do it and what it can do. <laughs> and after that, we hired an editor. We hired a freelance editor to do the actual audio production side. And that has been a humongous blessing to me. Yeah. And so he's a lot more worried about the we got to hit exactly 25 minutes than I am. I just have the conversation and I trust that we're going to cut it down. And and like I say, typically there is plenty that you can do without. If we have an episode where it's just like, oh man, I can't believe we had to cut that. We'll leave it in for the podcast version. And we'll even sometimes say on the radio, hey, there was more to this conversation. We didn't have time for it all. We'd love for you to listen to the podcast this week and hear the whole conversation. So I think it's good discipline to try to hit 25. And most weeks we use that as both the podcast and the broadcast version. But it is nice to have a bonus window where you can say, hey, there was some great stuff that we didn't fit in. You should go listen to it. Yeah, I was wondering that because as I look down through the feed, you know, most of them say 24 minutes or 25 minutes. And then there's a few that might be 33 minutes or somewhere around that range. And so it's great that you do have that buffer. That's the, I mean, that's the great part about podcasting is that you don't have to hit the clock like you're saying. And as well as you're able to cut it down for radio like you need to. Right. And so... With that process, as you're talking about storytelling, how do you find these guests that you end up interviewing and have on the show? This is, again, where I am incredibly blessed by having a ministry behind the work that I do. Yeah, Our international ministry staff are absolutely vital to helping me find and connect with the people that we talk to. And so I tend to categorize guests in one of three ways. The first tier is persecuted Christians. If they have their own personal story of persecution, that's kind of one set of guests. A second set is people who are working in hostile and restricted nations doing gospel work. 
maybe they haven't been persecuted yet, but they certainly are at risk of persecution, or they are interacting with Christians who have faced persecution. So they can tell those firsthand stories of being in the country and what it's like there, what it's like to follow Christ, what persecution looks like. And then the third set of guests I have are members of our international ministry team who maybe have just come back from Nigeria or just come back from the Middle East. And I can drag them in the studio and say, hey, tell me about your trip. Tell me about the people you met. Tell me what's going on there. And so that gives our listeners sort of a firsthand look at okay, here's what's going on right now in the Middle East, yeah. right now in Burkina Faso, a place where most of us probably were never going to go, but we can have a sense of what's happening there with our brothers and sisters. And all of the interviews that I do, or I shouldn't say all, but 99% of them, the last question I ask is, okay, how can we pray? Yeah. I always want VOM Radio to be a tool to equip Christians to pray for Christians who are facing persecution. And so that's always a question in the course of the conversation is, hey, how can we pray? And I know people pray. I, I love getting letters from listeners who say, hey, every week I write down the prayer requests mm. as the person says them so I can pray for them throughout the week. I email to my pastor so that we our church can pray. And so I love those emails. I love those comments because that says, yes, it's working. We are creating a tool that equips people to pray. Yeah. That's really cool. And as part of that process, I'm sure you get a bunch of different stories that come in from all over the place. And so I'm guessing that you have more stories than you have time to record or more episodes that you have. So how do you make the difficult decision of which stories to have on the podcast or have on the radio show and which ones don't make it? I actually, I wish that was more of a problem. We don't have okay. a lot of extra. There are a lot of people that Voice of the Martyrs works with who could never come on the radio. Just it's gotcha. too yeah. it's too much of a risk for them. It's too much of a security problem. And so mm. there are some who can come on. And for people who listen to VM Radio, they know often we just use one name. We we don't do first and last right. name. We just say Brother Peter, Brother Paul. And Sometimes we will say a region, but not a specific country. Oh, this person's from Central Asia. We won't say the specific country they're from. And so we try to do some things to protect people, but I'm very aware of, you know, they're taking a risk to talk to me. Yeah. There's not any other way around it. If they're working in a hostile or restricted nation and they're putting their voice on the internet, that's a risk. And so I always try to be super, super cautious about that. We have had some interviews over the years that we recorded, and then afterwards, the person was like, whoa, you know, I thought about that, and I don't think that's yeah. a good idea. And so we have some that are in the cupboard, and and they may never come out, or maybe they will. We just a few weeks ago on the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians, that weekend, we aired an interview that I recorded actually nine years ago with a lady whose husband was killed in the Middle East. And we recorded the interview, and afterwards, she was just like, you know— there's still work going on in that city where we were. I don't want to put those workers at risk. Let's let's not do it. Mm. And so I said, yep, that's fine. I don't want to put anybody at risk either. But every year or every 18 months, I would send her an email and just say, hey, if things have changed on the ground, I would love to air that interview. It's an incredible story. She told the story of her husband. Her husband was murdered. Mm. And she and another friend that went to the morgue and she said, we prayed for Jesus to raise him from the dead. We we're like, I told Jesus, man, I need my husband back. And I know you have the power to raise the dead. 
in Jesus' name, I want you to raise my husband. The Lord didn't answer that prayer. He has watched out for her and taken care of her over the last years since then. Mm. But just that story was so remarkable and so amazing. And finally this year, I got an email back from her and said, hey, you know, things have changed on the ground. It's a little more secure now. You can go ahead and air that interview. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so I've been waiting for nine years to tell this story. <laughs> That's great. So, but there are some interviews that we've done that we'll probably never be able to use just because the person thought about it. And there's a lot of people who just say no. <laughs> as soon as we say it's a podcast, it's available everywhere. They're like, oh yeah, no, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Podcasting takes a lot of time, effort, and to be honest, a lot of Googling. What if you could ask like-minded people how to overcome the challenges you're facing starting a podcast, growing a podcast, or producing multiple podcasts? I think starting a community like that would be super valuable, but I want to know what you think. Would you be interested in being part of a community of ministry leaders using podcasts to amplify their mission and grow their ministry? If so, let me know by filling out the interest form using the link in the show notes. So I'm curious with the production process, you've got these folks that you're able to connect with, you record the interviews, but tell me a little bit more about the overarching production process and how it goes from those conversations all the way to being edited to radio and getting broadcast on over those thousand plus stations. So there's a couple ways that happens. The best case scenario in terms of audio quality is they come here and they sit down in our studio. We have a little studio here and we can record and that's great. And we have a lot of guests. Uh, in fact, I just this morning I had a recorded interview with a guest from Nigeria and uh, they're here. He's here right now. Wow, and so we got yeah. to go in the studio. The best way for me that that works is if they're here on a Tuesday, we have chapel here at VOM on Tuesdays. They speak in chapel, and then I record an interview with them after chapel. So I've had a chance to hear them speak. I know what they're passionate about. I know kind of generally what they want to talk about. That helps me to kind of guide the interview into the right direction more quickly than just sort of going fishing. And so that's the ideal. A second way we collect audio is I travel sometimes, usually two or three times a year. I will travel overseas and I'll have opportunities to sit down and record interviews on the road. Those definitely don't have the same audio quality as sitting in our studio, but they do have that reality of, hey, yeah. you as a listener, you get to come with me. I, I just earlier this year, I was in North Africa and we just aired a couple of the interviews. And it's like, hey, you, how many of you can sit down with a pastor from North Africa and hear about the persecution in his congregation. Not very many. Yeah. So this is an opportunity for you to do that. And so even though the audio quality is not great, I think the experience is still great because you get to hear those. Then the other way is I have done some and will do some remote interviews just like this, just an internet connection, sometimes a phone connection. And I really love having the person in the studio because I love the ability to connect with them mm -hmm. and, you know, have a cup of coffee beforehand and, and kind of feel out, oh, what do you want to talk about and what's what's going on and kind of build that relationship. But certainly having an internet connection is better than not having them on. Yeah. And so I think I've gotten better at doing the interview that way. And I hope I've gotten better. That's probably how I should say that. So that's a third way. And then... We upload the audio, our freelance 
editor grabs it. He works on it. We come up with the script for the intro and the close, and I record those usually the week that we're finalizing the episode. Gotcha. And then we post for radio stations to grab it on Thursday. We tell them it will be up Thursday by noon, and then it goes into the podcast stream and onto the website Saturday morning. Nice. So, you know, you'd produced the show for almost a decade. How has the podcast, in addition to the radio program, helped you amplify your mission and grow the ministry of Voice of the Martyrs? I think the great thing about the podcast is it can go anywhere and people can get it anywhere. And once you subscribe, you get it. It shows up in your feed. You can listen to it. The nice thing about radio is you find people who weren't looking for you. Yeah, sure. You know, they're in their car, they're going somewhere and, oh, who, who is that? Oh, somebody from Nigeria is on. Let's... And so you run into people who weren't looking for you. The challenge of the podcast is to find people. I mean, to make mm -hmm. them look right. for you. Yeah, discovery. And so... Again, I'm blessed by having a ministry behind this podcast. We have done some things in our magazine to promote the podcast. We have actually used printed interviews from the podcast in the magazine and then said, hey, you know, go listen to this interview. Here's a link. Sign up for the podcast. We use our email list to promote different podcast episodes and encourage people to go and listen. So that has helped us get it in front of people Whenever I do an interview like this, they always say, well, how do you want to be introduced? And I always say, introduce me as the host of VOM Radio, because I want people to know we have a radio show and a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so right. that helps as well, just to get my name and the fact that we have a radio show, we have a podcast out in the other interviews that I do. So those are different ways. And the other thing about the podcast, and we talked about it earlier, is there's not a time constraint. If somebody has an hour and a half of amazing content, then great. Let's talk for an hour and a half. <laughs> and I think our listeners who are loyal, they would listen to an hour and a half. And so that is a blessing as well as obviously the cost effectiveness of reaching thousands of people just by posting a, an MP3 file. Yeah. Discoverability is the hardest thing with podcasting, which is a blessing yep. and a curse. You kind of have the opposite problem on YouTube to an extent. If you start out and you don't have any following, then then it doesn't want to kick it up in the algorithm to get in front of people. But once you do, then it does get out. Whereas podcasting is so much more word of mouth, just suggestions, you know, finding it on social media, somebody's posting about it. Have there been any other ways besides, uh, you talked about the magazine and doing other interviews with other podcasts, have there been any other ways that you found have been great for growing your podcast audience and reaching more people? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's fine. I was just wondering I, if there was anything else you wanted we, to add to that. We have not done any paid advertising for the podcast. We have talked about it. We have considered different options. At this point, it's not something we've done. And I don't I don't know if it would work. I honestly, as I listen to podcasts, I skip the ads. So it, it and I'm just one person, but I suspect I'm not alone in that. So I hesitate to give someone thousands of dollars to try to lure people when they have a skip button that they can just go right by. And <laughs> so that's what we have done so far. And like yeah. you say, a lot of it is word of mouth. A lot of it is, hey, and I try to encourage people with that, even in the podcast, hey, 
could you share this with your pastor? Could you right. share this with a Christian friend? If we're talking about India, maybe you have somebody who you know prays for India. Could you share this with them right now? So I try to keep that front of mind for our listeners because I think that is really a key way for us to pick up new listeners is, is simply by somebody saying to their friend, hey, I just heard this amazing story. You need right. to go listen to this. Yeah, I mean, so many of the podcasts that I listen to are because somebody did that exact same thing. So that's huge. I mean, that's one of the biggest ways for me to find new podcasts. And I've heard of other people doing the exact same thing. That's the way they come up with podcasts. They don't really go search, go searching for a new podcast as much as they just hear about it from somebody else. All right. Well, another opportunity that you've had with being at Voice of the Martyrs is you've written a book. Your newest book is When Faith is Forbidden. And so how has being the podcast host allowed you or enabled you to be able to write books as well? That's a great <laughs> that's a great question. I don't know how much connection there is. Okay. Except in the sense of we tried to promote the podcast in the book. The book is a series of 40 stories of different persecuted Christians I've met mm -hmm. over the years of my 25 years working here at VOM. And so some of those that I met, we did a podcast interview. Yeah. And so in those chapters, you actually will see a link in the book that says, hey, if, if you want to hear this conversation as it happened, here it is. Go listen to it. So we did try to connect the two that way. I think everything that puts out the name of Voice of the Martyrs helps everything else that puts out the name of Voice of the Martyrs. I mean, if you hear the podcast, we want you to get the magazine. If you read the magazine, we want you to listen to the podcast. If you read the magazine, you're going to be interested in books that come from Voice of the Martyrs. Yeah. And so I think everything builds on each other, even if it's not overtly like, hey, by the way, you should go read our magazine. By the way, you should get a copy of this book. So I, d I don't necessarily think the two were directly connected, except in the sense that my mission and my passion is to tell the stories of persecuted Christians. And if I can do that in a podcast, great. I want you to listen to the podcast. If I can do it in a book, great. I want you to read the book. The most important thing, though, is that you're hearing the stories or you're knowing the stories of persecuted Christians. And some people are book people and some people are podcast people and some people are audiobook people. I did the reading for the audiobook, which was kind of a weird, fun, cool experience. But I... I don't care how you get the story. I just want to be sure you know about persecuted Christians. Yeah, that's cool. So that's why I was wondering if some of the stories were being built on for the book to be published and how that all culminated together. So that's a cool project that you're able to put out. And and yeah, doesn't matter what medium, but getting the stories out there is the main goal. So that's really cool. So the next question, I thought this would be an interesting question to ask. With all this work that you've done over the past 25 years, how has the show and the past 10 years, how has that impacted your personal faith journey? I think it is a holy privilege to be able to ask questions to persecuted Christians. I can't imagine a greater honor than to be allowed to sit with people who are, you know, like Paul and Silas, they've been locked in the Philippian jail and they were having a worship service in the middle of the night when the earthquake happened. And I get to sit down with them and say, hey, what song were you singing when the earthquake started? Mm. What an amazing blessing and privilege that is. And I don't take that lightly. I, I don't understand why God has allowed me to have this role, but I am so thankful and so appreciative. And I think every conversation is a spurring on to deeper faith and to a deeper walk. Some specific things 
I treat my Bible differently now than I did when I started working at VOM. When you meet someone who says, oh, I prayed for 10 years that I could have my own Bible, and I have 10 different translations on my phone in my pocket, there's a part of you that feels guilty. Like, how, how did I get born in a country where I get to have as many Bibles as I want? But there's also a part of me that's like, wow, when I open the Bible every day, that's a sacred thing. There are people around the world mm -hmm. who are dying to have this privilege. And so I think that's one direct connection, direct impact of the stories of persecuted Christians is just, I think it's a sacred thing to open your Bible. I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to have God's word on your phone in your pocket and to pull it out any time of the day or night and open it up and read it or listen to it or, you know, partake in God's word. So I think that's one direct connection. I think another one is just the power of prayer. I don't consider myself a particularly good prayer or or disciplined prayer. And to hear from people who just literally pray things into existence, literally mm -hmm. pray people into the kingdom, that's an incredible, again, incredible honor, but also a, an incredible example for me and, and hopefully for others who hear or read their stories. Wow, the power that we have in prayer, we need to take advantage of that. We need to be sure that we are active in getting in front of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. That's really a good perspective to have that thinking about how many Bibles I have, just, <laughs> just that perspective, you know, like there's people that don't have a copy of God's word and many, not even in their own language, but just to even know that it's available, but I don't have it. And I would love mm -hmm. to have it. I actually heard this in the interview this morning, I heard the stat 200 million people in the world speak a language that the Bible does not exist in. Not audio, not written. It is not translated into their language at all. 200 million people. That That is a heartbreaking statistic. And yeah. like you say, when we look around and say, oh, wait, I have eight copies on my shelf. I've got <laughs> 10 apps on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> we need to recognize mm -hmm. that that's a pretty amazing blessing. A blessing for sure. So... What are you expectant for? What are you excited about for the future of VOM Radio? I'm excited to keep introducing our listeners to people that they wouldn't otherwise know about or meet or hear from and keep telling those stories. I think of some of the stories we've told over the last nine years. And as we think ahead to our 10th anniversary, I'm already kind of thinking of, okay, how do we celebrate that? How do we mark that? And thinking of some of the stories. I I think of a lady named Sister Amber who told her story of being detained in Tibet. And she had never told the story publicly before we sat down in the studio. Mm. She came to VOM, she spoke in chapel, and then we went in the studio. And it is an absolutely amazing story of God's grace in the midst of horrific suffering, horrific persecution. And at one point, we're sitting in the she's telling the story, she's crying. I'm listening to the story, I'm crying. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how is this going to be a radio show? <laughs> like, this is two people crying. That's not going to go very far. <laughs> but it is such an amazing story. And I've, when I meet listeners, I always ask them, like, what's your favorite episode? Mm -hmm. It is very common that Sister Amber's name comes up in that conversation. Oh, Sister Amber. Oh, that story is amazing. And in fact, when I meet people who've never heard of VOM Radio, I said, go find the episode with Sister Amber. Listen to that one. If you don't like that one, you will never like any episode of VOM Radio. So you can just go away and never listen again. <laughs> but I promise you, if you like that one, we've got more where that came from. So I think just, I still get excited to tell these stories. I still get excited to go and meet 
Christians and hear their stories. And we had this trip recently to North Africa and some of the people we met and now starting to share some of those interviews and just knowing that this is a chance to honor this person's faithfulness. And they're taking Mm -hmm. a risk to talk to me. They're taking a risk to tell their story, but it's a story of God's faithfulness and it's a story that will bless a lot of people. So I still get excited about telling those stories. That's great. Well, we are going to transition now into the high pass segment where we uh, ignore the lows and I ask you about some of your favorite things. So the first question I'm going to ask is what is your favorite part of the production process? The end. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love the interview. That's that's the part that I'm most plugged into. I'm thankful for our editor who does a lot of the work in the in-between time, but I just love sitting down and I think one of my spiritual gifts is curiosity. I believe that everybody has a story to tell. And so if I can sit down with them and ask the right questions, we can get a great story. And so that's probably the part that is my favorite. Yeah. All right. Well, what's one of your favorite stories from a listener about how VOM radio has impacted their life? One of the things that we try to do is encourage our listeners to reach out where they're at. You know, we tell stories of people who are reaching out in restricted and hostile nations, and most of our listeners are in the U.S. It's not restricted. It's not hostile. We have freedom. We also encourage them to reach out, especially across faith barriers. Hey, if you have Muslim neighbors, Muslim coworkers, man, strike up a conversation with them. Take them out to coffee. You might Mm -hmm. be able to share Jesus with them. We had a listener who wrote in after hearing that encouragement on VOM Radio Her and her husband met, if I'm remembering the story correctly, they met sort of randomly. They were on like a tourist train ride, and they met a couple from India that was on their train, had moved to their city, and uh, struck up a conversation, which resulted in a friendship. This lady asked the Indian woman, and I, I love this so much, she asked her to teach her how to cook Indian food, Hmm. which is such a great, like, honoring the culture. And, and, you know, would you be willing to teach me to cook a couple of Indian dishes? Oh, I would love to do that. That would be so great. And they struck up a conversation and that has led to a Bible study and Hmm. just an amazing open door that she said was encouraged by VOM Radio and by hearing the stories of people on VOM Radio. So that's probably one of my very favorite stories. And I... I've used it repeatedly. When I encourage people to reach out, it's like, how would you like to learn how to cook great Indian food? Oh, all, everyone would like to learn that, right? Okay, well, you just need to find a, an Indian family and ask them to teach you. And so I, I love that example, and I love it that VOM Radio had a part to play. The other I would share, and I've heard from a couple who God has used VOM Radio in the process of moving them overseas into ministry. Hmm. I think of a young lady who came and talked to me at a VOM conference. She said, hey, I'm getting ready to move to the Middle East. I've been listening to VOM radio, and that's part of how God has prepared me. That's part of how God has moved me in this direction. And that's one of the things we pray for. Before we record an interview, we pray, Hmm. and we pray, Lord, use this to, to call people to ministry. Use this to move people into ministry. So when I hear those stories, I do a little happy dance inside. Yeah, that's that's so cool. So last question in this segment is, what's your favorite ministry podcast that you listen to, or do you have a favorite ministry that you wish had a podcast? 
I'm going to sound terrible and unspiritual here, but I don't listen to very many ministry podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) I am more of a true crime podcast guy. So if I'm listening to a podcast, typically it means somebody got killed and there's not a lot of ministry (laughs) podcasts that follow that particular vein. (laughs) I do love Ligonier Ministries. I do love Desiring God. I think both of them Mm. are doing great things with podcasts. Yeah, Especially I like the short ones they do, Mm. you know, five minutes in church history or ask Pastor John where it's one question and one answer. Maybe the podcast is five minutes. Maybe it's four minutes. Maybe it's even three minutes. It's not a huge time commitment for listeners. It's something you can just grab. And and even if you see it come up in your feed, you're like, oh, three minutes. Oh, I'll just stop and listen to that right now. So I think they are doing some great things with podcasts. But again, I'm not a big partaker of other ministries podcasts. Gotcha. Yeah. So now that you've been hosting and producing VOM radio for almost a decade, what would you say is your best advice for ministry leaders who are wanting to start a podcast? I think the biggest thing is to to know what you're trying to do and to make it a ministry, not a fundraising tool. Hmm. The idea of VOM radio is to tell the stories of persecuted Christians And sure, there's going to be some people who find our website and make a donation, and that's great, but that's not our focus. And in fact, most episodes, I don't even ask for money or tell people that there's an option to give. (laughs) It's just a, hey, we're here to tell stories. So I think that would be my advice is just make sure that you have a ministry function for the podcast and that it connects to what your ministry overall is doing. Don't just see it as, sort of a chance to get in front of people extra times to ask for money or Mm -hmm. to just kind of be a communication tool. In my opinion, people don't listen very long if there's no takeaway for them. And so if you're designing a podcast that has lots of great takeaways from the ministry perspective, but from the listener perspective doesn't really offer that much, they're not going to stay. And so you're wasting your time. If you are feeding people's souls and encouraging their hearts and drawing them to the Lord, they're going to come back again and again and again. And so I think that would be my advice is just make sure you know what your goal is and make sure it's a ministry goal, not a earthly goal. Yeah, that's great perspective and great advice. Thanks for uh, taking the time today, Todd, to share about VOM Radio and the work that you get to do every day. Well, it has been my pleasure. I, I love my job. In fact, I was thinking this morning, I'm so thankful I get to do this. So it's fun to kind of talk about it, and it's fun to think back on the last almost 10 years. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me. You are welcome. I really enjoyed my conversation with Todd. I mean, it was great to hear the backstory and some of the behind the scenes of the radio program and podcast. He also gave some great advice there at the end. Don't start a podcast just to be a fundraising tool. If you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. If you're going to start a podcast, it needs to be an extension of your ministry and provide takeaways for the listener and encourage them as they follow Jesus. You can listen to VOM Radio with the link in the show notes. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Ministries That Podcast, produced by Sonomorphic. If you enjoyed today's episode, text it to a friend or share it on social media. Together, we can help more ministries grow and thrive through podcasting. And if you haven't already, follow or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on the next one and leave a five-star review while you're there. Now come back in two weeks to hear my conversation with Dave Ramsey, the founder and CEO of the company Ramsey Solutions. He's also a best-selling author, personal finance expert, and host of The Ramsey Show. 
We're going to talk about the story behind starting the radio show, podcast, and YouTube channel, how he gets the best callers on the show, and how the Ramsey Show recently achieved number one podcast in all categories on Apple Podcasts. You don't want to miss this one. Until next time, keep encouraging your audience as they follow Jesus. Jesus.